Hello and welcome to All You Ever Wanted to Know. I am Jordan Patsbold and it is the last Friday of the month and that means in studio with me today I have David Disty from Disty Counseling Services. Heart to heart today on the program. David, it's good to see you once again. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Jordan. It's good to be back. Well, wonderful. Uh, yes, uh, we're going to dive right on in. Uh, what's our planned topic of discussion uh, for today? Yeah, I figured we'd just talk a bit about um, kind of the interaction between the mind and the body and how the, the body interacts with the mind and the mind interacts with the body. And it's kind of a, a lot of people think, well, I'm dealing with these emotions and I'm or I'm dealing with this physical issue and they want to focus just on the physical or just on the, the emotional or just on their thought patterns. But it's also interconnected if we deal with one, it helps the other. Um, it's kind of like we're not just a uh, body, we're not just a soul, we're not just uh, emotions. We are all these things connected. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's certainly been lots that has shown that the, the physical body and then just even how it relates to how we're doing and what's going on in our brain. I, I know something as simple as uh, Cravings are kind of like an example of how that mm-hmm. employs it in itself in a real life situation. You know, someone's yeah. feeling really down. So what do they turn to? Well, maybe mm-hmm. it's uh, as the they sometimes talk about a comfort food or something like that. Yeah. So often we'll be craving one thing and we think it's, we think that we really want this one thing, but it ends up being something else that our body needs or our soul needs. And we misinterpret that. Um, a lot of people who are dealing with uh, alcoholism, they say, oh, I'm just craving a, a beer, but then they have a drink of water and they go, oh, wait, my body was just thirsty my brain interpreted as I need a beer, but my body will actually wanted a glass of water. So we think we want something, but our body actually needs something else. And so when we can get in tune with that, that's excellent. Um, and I was actually reading a book. Um, I'm reading a couple of books right now by Rob Reamer. So I forget which one it was that had this piece. Um, but he talked about sometimes at night we've had our supper, we're full and satisfied and we have the munchies before bed for something else. And he says, well, maybe that's not actually a physical craving. Maybe that's a craving that we need to spend some time connecting with God. And so that's something I've been practicing rather than having nachos or something at night, which I don't need anyway. Maybe I can replace that time with just having uh, extra time with God. And that's always a good thing too. So paying attention to what do we think our body needs and what do we actually need? Maybe, maybe we need something other than what we're craving. Well, and no one ever said you can't have nachos for nah. supper if you really want them. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just move it around, make it part of meal. Time. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, tacos is okay, but not, not, no, make no. nachos if you want for a meal. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm all for that. <laughs> but then likewise, uh, mm. saying uh, that you make the time for other things, uh, trying to recognize mm-hmm. what the body is telling us in that regard can go a long way. Yeah. And so often when I'm dealing with uh, people that are, say, they want to deal with anger or anxiety or depression, one of the things that I always, that I'll usually go through with them is where do you feel it in your body? Because all these things show up in our body somewhere. Um, do you feel anger in a clenched jaw? Do you feel anxiety and a tightness on, in your chest? Do you feel depression as a weight on your shoulders? Um, all these things, they're our, our brain talking to our body. And if we pay attention to our body, what our body is really saying to us, then we have a leg up in dealing with some of the, the mental or emotional things too. So if we feel like that um, clenching in our gut, uh, that might be our brain saying, okay, we're nervous about something. And the body, when we're going through anxiety, naturally shuts down the digestive tract. And so we feel that butterfly in the stomach. Hmm. And so if you feel those butterflies, we can go, okay, I know that is tied to an emotion of some sort, maybe anxiety. So what's going on that I'm anxious about? And then we can deal with that instead of just going, oh, there's butterflies. I must be sick. Let's go to the doctor. 
there may be an issue that you need to go to the doctor with, but maybe there's, it's your body telling you, let's pay attention to something that's going on inside your mind right now. Mm-hmm. Sleep, uh, I know, is another thing mm-hmm. too that uh, people need to make sure that uh, getting enough of it, it's so huge and crucial to mm-hmm. make sure that, yeah, we can uh, function as, well, productive members of society yeah. in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, a lot of times people say, oh, i just uh, struggling with dealing with this stress or that stress or uh, dealing with um, all sorts of issues. But yeah, if you're not getting sleep, then your brain's not getting the, the food that it needs, which is that, that rest. Um, so yeah, taking the time to really get your um, sleep habits back in check, back in line. So taking care of things like, are you having caffeine too late? Adjust that. Are you having sugar too late? Adjust that. Are you doing something like uh, watching TV too late? Because that keeps our brain stimulated and, and awake too. Adjust that. Mm. What are you doing while you're lying in bed? Are you um, playing a game on your phone or watching your phone or hey. reading? Or, hey. uh, yeah, Jordan, <laughs> some of these things might hit home. <laughs> so yeah, to adjust, if you're having trouble uh, doing your work throughout the day, if you're having trouble, that you're grumpy in the morning all the time, Maybe these are things that need to be adjusted, not just that stress, but what you do 12 hours before can help you deal with the stress better the next day. Uh, yeah, and uh, something along the lines of uh, exercise too, mm-hmm. uh, getting outside, fresh air, and just enjoying, uh, well, or just even just getting a little active and movement in mm-hmm. you know, the body was never meant to be at rest for a certain period of time, if you will. I mean, outside of sleep, of course, uh, but just things along that line as well. Yeah. Like God developed our bodies to have a time of Sabbath rest. So that's taken, making sure that you have a day off a week and that's not a day off to do other chores and make sure that you're busy throughout that, but to actually have a day of rest and what does it look like to rest? Um, and so not just that you're going to be busy for 24 hours a day, six days a week, and then rest on that one day. But what do you do for that uh, Sabbath rest um, throughout the rest of your week too? So how do you rest in the evenings or uh, depending on your schedule, whenever you get that time to rest, making sure that's not just go, 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 go um, until you drop. So we need to have that rest. But also, like you said, exercise is an important thing. Um, I see it in my kids all the time that if they have more time outside, then they go to bed easier, they sleep better. And so if it works for them, why wouldn't it work for me too? So if I can get outside, if I'm worried about my sleep, then getting outside and doing that exercise uh, will help me as well. Mm-hmm. What works for the kids works for me. It certainly go a long way. Mm-hmm. All of you ever wanted to know, heart to heart with uh, David Disty, taking care of the body means taking care of the mind just the same. And uh, oftentimes, uh, yeah, so many things can kind of creep in with anxiety, worry, and Keeping ourselves busy and active in a lot of ways too, oftentimes it's those activities that we can go through that can help clear the mind at the same time too. Yeah, and a lot of these activities that help clear the mind, um, they have a couple of components to them. They can be things that are tactile, so things that we can use our five senses, things that we touch, smell, hear, see. Um, So uh, things that use our five senses. So uh, for me, going and splitting firewood is good because I, I hear the, the noise of it. I feel the weight in my hands. I, I'm watching what I'm doing. So, and it's repetitive. So using the five senses and you're doing something repetitive. So some people find washing dishes as helpful because it's tactile. You're feeling the, the water on your hands and it's repetitive. You're doing the same thing over and over again. That one definitely doesn't work for me as you may be able to tell in my kitchen. Um, <laughs> but whatever it is for you, that's tactile. And it's repetitive, can be helpful and not distracting yourself. So some people will say, well, I I calm down when I go and watch TV. 
but that's not really engaging your brain to calm it. It's just kind of switching tracks. So things that we can do to keep our brain in that calm space, mm -hmm. but still not, not just distracting ourselves, but keeping us in a place where we can keep on thinking about the thing that is stressing us or about the conflict that we're having. So if you can do, say, uh, my wife crochets, again, very tactile, very rhythmic, but then she can think through things while she does that. So that's a, a great, great uh, way to, to go. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you kind of reiterated just the importance of how it's not just something like, you know, flipping the TV on because mm -hmm. there's a, really a huge difference. Uh, and I know when I said, you know, keeping the mind busy, it's not so much as to run away from the problems or keeping yeah. them out of your head, but just in healthy forms of just staying active and, you know, keeping, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just keeping, yeah, like you say, the senses the most engaged as possibly as you can. Yeah. And I, like we said, that's not running away from the issue. Um, it's not comfortable for us, but we need to be engaged with the issue that we're concerned about. We need to engage with the issue um, rather than numbing out with TV or with playing a game or something like that. Um, and so another piece that can be helpful too is having uh, interaction with someone where we are working together or balancing off of each other. So things like uh, playing sports together, uh, like tennis, where you're interacting with the other person, where you're uh, doing something based on their actions. Um, it's uh, a team thing, like maybe playing cards together would be could be a piece of it because you're going based off of what the other person is doing. You're taking turns back and forth. Um, in martial arts, they do something, uh, in Taekwondo, I think they call it step sparring where you have two people that are, do are doing actions that they each know what's going to happen and they're reading each other and they're in that rhythm together. So things that we can do together where we are interacting together and going off of each other's, um, the cues that we pick up from each other, those can be really helpful and calming as well. Right. And just even how the body is, uh, well, being chemical as it is, if you will, in that space mm -hmm. as well, it's amazing how uh, those interactions too, they can do things with, uh, you know, the things inside our body, the hormones, if you will, something yeah. uh, physical like a hug and mm -hmm. the power that studies have shown that a hug can have uh, to yeah. release certain toxins in the body that can you know, numb things like stress or mm -hmm. it can release those. I forget exactly what the right terminology is, but even yep. someone who's feeling physically ill through the power of a hug, you know, absolutely uh, the, the power that it comes that is beyond just, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a placebo effect. No, it really can do wonders. It really does. Yeah. Physical someone. touch releases endorphins in our brain endorphins, that's, yeah. that, yeah, help us to, they do numb pain. Um, my daughter broke her arm a couple of weeks ago and when she was in pain, all she wanted was to be held, to be hugged. She wanted that physical touch, um, because in her body, she knew that physical touch was going to relieve that pain, makes her feel safe and physically reduces the pain. So while I was holding her, she would cry less than if she needed someone else to hold her or something like that. So yeah, absolutely. Having someone that you can um, have that physical connection with, uh, making sure that if our kids are having a rough day, rather than saying, you're being a bad boy and off to your room you go, maybe they need that, um, what sometimes I call a time in, where, okay, I need to sit down with you and give you a hug, let you just sit on my lap for a bit. Uh, because that physical connection calms children as well as adults. So 
maybe the child needs it to calm down and maybe sometimes the parent needs it to calm down too. (laughs) Very good point. Uh, All you ever wanted to know today, heart to heart with uh, David Disty. Lots more to come today on the program. We will be right back. Back here on All You Ever Wanted to Know, Heart to Heart with uh, David Disty, how the mind interacts with the body, part of our discussion today on the program. And uh, things like, uh, well, chronic pain. Some people might mm-hmm. be wondering, uh, how is the mind sometimes interacting with something that just seems ever so physical? Like It can't be something on the inside, can it? Yeah, well, we often think of pain as just a reaction to what happens in the body, but the pain signals go back and forth and back and forth between the body and the brain. So, yeah, mm. our initial pain signal goes from the body to the brain, but then our brain interprets it, okay, what is the severity of this? What is the danger of ongoing uh, damage to the body? So the purpose of pain um, is that it protects us from further damage. So, uh, like I said, when my daughter broke her arm, um, the pain signal said, okay, we've got to do whatever it takes to not cause further damage to her arm. And so it said, okay, let's keep that arm still. And while she kept the arm still, the pain was less. Um, when she moved her arm, the pain increased. So the body said, keep your arm still. And that's the main function of pain to stop us from causing more damage to ourselves. Um, but then the brain, it also sends, um, um, the brain sends messages back to the body to say, okay, let's create some inflammation here because that's going to help this injury. Um, so again, my daughter's arm, it inflamed because the body wanted resources to that for healing. So the body told the brain, there's a broken arm, that's pain. The brain told the body, okay, we're going to deal with that with some inflammation and by helping you to keep it uh, stable so it doesn't move. And then the body says, okay, well, that worked a little bit. There's still some more pain, so let's keep on um, staying still. So it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But then when we change the way that we think about it, um, we don't want to, in that kind of acute pain phase, we don't want to change it so that you go, oh, well, I can keep on moving around the way that I was before uh, because then you're just going to cause more damage to yourself. But then the longer that the pain goes on, the more our brain thinks that we're causing ourselves damage when the actual original injury may not still be the issue. Um, So there's something called neuropathic pain, which I'm not a doctor, so I'm using terms that are kind of at the edge of my understanding. So if you have questions about this, talk to your doctor, um, do your research, uh, look up stuff by um, people like um, uh, Norman Doidge is one of the authors that I've been reading lately. Um, Mm -hmm. He talks about how the brain works with chronic pain. Um, So neuropathic pain is where the pain actually comes from the nerve cells. Uh, So the nerve cells are damaged in some way. That would be like if there's an amputation and you have that phantom limb pain, or if there's uh, damage to the the spine and that damages the the nerve in there, Um, or if you have like a broken bone that rubs against the nerve or something. Hmm. So that's a different type of pain, and we can sense it differently. Um, So the pain changes, whether it's uh, neuropathic from pain from the damage to uh, the neurons to the nerves, or acute pain or chronic pain. These are three different types of pain. Sure. Um, But then when we're into chronic pain, then it becomes pain that's not so much about the actual injury, but about how our brain has begun to be wired to be more sensitive to pain. And so our brain is looking for pain more and more and more. So a smaller injury might cause more pain, or it might be looking for pain where there isn't uh, a physical injury. 
So what happens in the brain is our brain has a map of the body. So it'll be like this little section is for your index finger. This little section is for your middle finger. This little section is for your ring finger. This little section is for your pinky finger and builds a map like that. Um, but then what, what can happen is that those maps change in size. And so our brain has a map of pain for these areas too. And so let's say if you get an injury to your middle finger, um, it can begin extending from there and say, okay, we've got pain in the middle finger, but it begins to radiate out so that the pain is experienced in the index finger and the ring finger too, and then maybe a thumb in the pinky finger and then in the whole hand. So it begins to radiate like that. So we've got the original injury in one area, but the pain is experienced elsewhere. So then we know, okay, wait, we need to experience the pain where the injury is, but all this other pain, it's extra. So we need to kind of deal with that pain. Um, so there's a bunch of interesting, uh, fairly new research on um, dealing with the, the way that our brain changes. Uh, that's called neuroplasticity. Big word, if you want to look it up, go for it. Um, but how can we use our brains, the way that our brain changes, in order to kind of shrink that pain back to where the injury actually is? Um, so in talking about this, I'm not saying we need to do all this uh, work in focusing on pain differently and stop your medication if you're taking medication for pain, don't stop it without talking to your doctor. Absolutely do not change your medication without talking to your doctor ever. Um, because the medication changes the way that your brain's dealing with the pain. So if you were to just stop the medication without talking to your doctor, you can actually be in a worse off spot than you are right now. Mm. Um, that being said, when we're dealing with our pain, if we look at the, there's, there's some interesting studies that they did where, um, that people with arthritis, they looked at their hand where the arthritis is um, through binoculars that had no, um, no magnification. So it just looked exactly the same and that didn't affect the pain at all. They looked at the hand with uh, binoculars that were switched around. So it was like two times the magnification. So th it looked bigger and the pain increased, which interestingly wasn't just the pain that increased, like how they felt the pain, but the swelling in their hand actually increased too. So the body was saying to the hand, this pain is more, Let's increase the swelling. So there's going to be more healing there. Huh. But then you flip it around the other way. So it's negative two times um, magnification. So the hand looks smaller and the people reported decreased pain and the swelling went down. So when you see, when you focus on the pain, mm -hmm. the pain increases and our body responds to it. When you focus on other stuff, the pain decreases and our body responds in that way. So how we focus on the pain is a big piece of it. Now, when I talk about this kind of stuff, often people will say, are you saying that pain's all in my head, that I'm just faking it? I'm not at all saying that you're faking it. There is not a piece of this that is about faking it. Um, if anybody tells you that you're faking it or something like that, that is um, not right. That is not the message here at all. But the message is that our brain adapts to how we deal with the pain. And so uh, you may be in a place where pain feels where you're with this chronic pain and uh, your brain has adapted to see, you know what? Pain is everywhere, or there's nothing that we can do about this pain. And that's not helping. But there's ways that we can train the brain to go, okay, you know what? Let's focus back on where that original injury is. This takes a long time. It's a lot of work. You have to be relentless with this kind of work, but it can really help too. Yeah, well, and it just goes to show, I mean, the world uh, that had existed before the advent of things like medicine, mm -hmm. uh, before painkillers and things of uh, that nature, the body really was... Uh, the telltale, you know, voice uh, that would just simply mm -hmm. indicate, you know, what's going on. I mean, as you were describing, you know, uh, pain is the br the brain's way of telling the body, hey, you know, be still or don't do that to you. It's kind of like the... <laughs> 
mm-hmm. the classic bully situation of why are you hurting yourself? Why are you hurting yourself? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like what the brain mm-hmm. really does to Absolutely. an individual. It's like, hey, uh, you know, I'm expressing this in this way to let you know what you're doing mm-hmm. is being of harm to yourself. So yeah. let's stop doing that. Absolutely. And I, I do want to say too that uh, we're, I was talking about chronic pain earlier, and that doesn't mean that there isn't a physical reason for the pain. So the there may be a physical reason for the pain. There yeah. may be an acute injury that's still not dealt with, or there might be like a degenerative degenerative issue or something that your doctor is currently treating. Um, so still, absolutely seek treatment for those things and whatever your doctor says, um, because this is a specific type of pain that we're talking about here that our body can change. Um, so don't go against the advice of your doctor. You, feel free to seek a second opinion or anything like that, but always go to your doctor and say, what do you think of this? And let them make that informed decision. Well, mentally too, I know a lot of times when we're dealing with uh, things of grief or, you know, just mental issues and struggles, this is where sometimes, you know, problems can sometimes sneak in if mm-hmm. uh, something isn't under the supervision of a doctor or, or an experienced healthcare professional. Yeah. I mean, uh, lots of times, Uh, And I mean, it's very much a problem we have in our society, whether it's opioids Mm. or alcoholism or something like that. People, a lot of the time, are trying to escape the pain that they are dealing with emotionally. And so they turn to these things that create that sort of numbness, something that Mm -hmm. takes that pain away. Kind of like what we talked about, though, in the first half of the program, though, today, uh, a lot of the time, though, we need to just get to the root of, you know, what's sometimes causing this pain, Mm -hmm. whether, like you said, yeah, Yeah. if it's physical, we need to get ourselves right to the doctor and try and get to the root of it and fix it. But if it's mental pain, mental anguish, well, likewise, there are the people that we can go see Mm -hmm. and those experienced healthcare professionals that can guide us on that path of like, hey, what's going on here? Let's do some digging. Yes, in the course of that, trying to figure out what's going on, there might be a couple nicks and bruises Mm -hmm. along that way, but we are trying to get to the root of what's going on inside. Yeah, and I like how you phrased it, mental anguish, because our brain um, interprets and deals with physical pain and emotional pain in the same way. Uh, Like when you go in a look at a brain scan, um, someone who is going through grief or uh, dealing with a really tough situation, their brain lights up in the exact same way as someone who is going through physical pain. Um, physical pain shows up in specific uh, body areas, like we talked about the body map in the brain. It shows up in those areas, but it works the same way in the brain as as the emotional pain. So heartbreak looks the same in a brain scan as a broken toe. And so that's, that's huh. amazing. When we're feeling this pain, there is a piece of it that's emotional too. Well, and I mean, the stigma is getting uh, a bit more removed of, you know, how mental pain is just in the same category as physical pain. Mm -hmm. It's taken a long time for us to get there because, I mean, uh, something like a broken heart versus a broken toe. I mean, the story would have been uh, years ago, oh, come on now. Uh, Mm. Let's worry about that toe before we worry about, you know, what you're going through uh, mentally, I'm glad yeah. it, it, it's definitely starting to uh, change the course of the conversation that, yeah, mental health is 
just as important yeah. as the physical health. Because they interact too. Uh, like a lot of times um, people may say, oh, I've got such uh, bad headaches all the time and uh, or I've got a, a sore neck. My neck is always hurting. Well, is there a piece of that that's contributed to by anxiety or something? When you're anxious, do you get a sore neck um, because mm. you're, the anxiety causes us to hunch our shoulders and uh, uh, tuck our chin down so that we keep ourselves safe? So that creates a posture in us, creates physical tension that may create a headache. Um, for me, like if I have something that I'm stressed about, uh, I have difficulty eating in the morning. I may go, oh, I need to go and see the doctor about stomach problems. Or I can remember, oh, yeah, I've got this stressful thing coming up. I remember what's going on with that. Based on that, I'm going to eat what I can and deal with the stress. Um, so, again, I'm not saying that don't go to the doctor go to the doctor, but then remember, is there some sort of emotional um, role that's being played here too? Mm-hmm. All you ever wanted to know heart to heart with uh, David Disty, how the mind and the body are interacting. And uh, like we mentioned a bit beforehand too, sometimes, you know, people are turning to all different kinds of ways to uh, to treat whatever it is they're feeling. And sometimes the body will certainly uh, maybe mislead us in a lot of ways. I know, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, we see sometimes this in the form of, you know, a bag of chips or Mm -hmm. a bowl of ice cream or something along those lines. I mean, uh, the body can definitely take us in all different kinds of directions too. And I mean, there might be that temporary sense of uh, relief or something along those lines. But if you're not Mm -hmm. willing to get to to the root of some of those things, uh, progress won't will ultimately stall likely. Yeah. So for all these things, um, take a look at your physical health and take a look at your mental and emotional health and your spiritual health because they're all tied together. All right. So again, with David Disty today, registered counselor with Disty Counseling Services. If uh, people do want more information or maybe even considering that, hey, it's, it might be just a case of me needing to talk to someone. Mm. Uh, David, you're there too. I uh, can People can reach out to you as well and maybe set up an appointment sometime as well. Yeah, you can give me a call at 306-316-0101 or email me at ddisty at gmail.com. That's D-D-Y-S-T-E at gmail.com. And if anyone out there wants to call us up to interact with us in that way, we won't ask your name. If you call into our program, 7835160, we can hopefully at least uh, get you directed and maybe what kind of steps you can take uh, into your future or even set something up a bit further down the line of uh, maybe it's a doctor visit or something like uh, seeing David, uh, whatever it is you need. Uh, we want to provide that help and support. Uh, we're back on Heart to Heart with David Disty. All you ever wanted to know on The Rock 98.5 returns in a moment. Back on All You Ever Wanted to Know, as always, the last Friday of the month is Heart to Heart with uh, David Disty taking care of oneself physically, mentally, spiritually, all important uh, for just even a proper function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all very important. And uh, there's, uh, sorry, I can't remember exactly the terminology you're using during the commercial break. I was confusing it for some food. Maybe my <laughs> body's telling me I'm a little bit hungry, uh, David, but... Uh, uh, you've been doing some reading and some work of, of this individual. Let's uh, talk yeah. a little bit more about it. Yeah, I've been learning a bit about what's called the uh, polyvagal theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, big name basically means it talks about uh, a series of nerves that run through our head and neck and uh, torso. 
and how it Im- impacts how we feel physically, emotionally, um, how our organs work. So we know that the there's the fight, flight, freeze um, response that we have where our stress goes up and our body kicks out a lot of an- adrenaline and then we either uh, get ready to fight uh, for survival or run away or we just freeze and um, kind of play dead. Um, they're adding on to that. There's the freak out now too, which is what you see with like a toddler's temper tantrum. They're not fighting because they're not fighting against anything. They're not running away. They're not freezing. They're just all that undirected energy. So now it's fight, flight, freeze, or freak out. Um, <laughs> there's other Fs that are being added to that. Not the Fs that you might be thinking about, but um, so <laughs> yeah, our, uh, our, uh, we've got these series of nerves, these vagal nerves throughout our body. And um they, they run and impact uh, different parts of our body differently. So whenever we're experiencing different emotions, different thoughts, uh, it changes our posture. So when we're feeling um, depressed or sad, our shoulders might slump. Uh, when we're feeling anxious, our chin tends to tuck down and our shoulders hunch forward. Um, and uh, so all these things, are imp- they, they impact that vagus nerve. So what we found is that um, when you're in that fight mode, we often clench our jaw and uh, we don't move or move our necks around. We don't move our necks around when in the freeze mode either. And so that vagus nerve kind of gets constricted. Uh, so even if we find ourselves in that freeze mode, we can physically look around at objects that are around us. Like in this room, Look, I can look around and see how many yellow objects can account right now. I see three yellow objects in this room right now. So if you're in that freeze mode, look around and think, how many green objects can I see? Well, I see your uh, jersey. Um, what other green things do I see? And so just that movement of our head around uh, can change the way that our body's impacting that particular nerve. Yeah. Um, when we're in that uh, fight mode, our jaw clenches. If you pop in a piece of gum and chew that or suck on a Tic Tac or something like that, that moves our jaw and physically changes the way that our jaw is impacting that nerve. So these physical things, they impact our nervous system and they tell us, wait, what's going on here? What do I need to do? And we don't pay attention to how it's impacting us. We just kind of go with it. We're like, um, we kind of go mindless. And if we're in the fight, we just fight. If we're in the freeze, we just freeze. If we're in the flee, we just flee. But if we can recognize, okay, what's going on here in my body? Again, paying attention to what do I feel in my body? I feel my shoulders hunched forward. Oh, what's that going to do? When my shoulders are hunched forward, I can't take a big, deep breath. So we can do what we can to move our shoulders back, expand our chest and breathe deeper. And then that's getting more oxygen to your brain, which calms it down. Uh, if we feel the jaw clenched, we're like, okay, that's the fight mo- mode. Let's chew some gum. Uh, if we're finding tension in our neck, all right, what's that mean? Uh, maybe I need to change position. Um, when I'm at work, often I'll feel some pain in my lower back. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. I've been sitting in this one position far too long. I need to get up and walk around and stretch and take care of my body so that I can be there for my clients or for my family better. So do these often just pop in when the body's just feeling like a sense of distress or something to that effect? Like is um, it like some kind of interruption into how uh, just a normal situation or? Yeah, any sort of stress. So stress. Stress, okay. Uh, stress comes out in a lot of different ways. It can come out as anxiety or anger or fear or um, sadness. So, or uh, it can be like a sense of emotional or physical numbness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stress will affect us in lots of different ways. Well, for um, me, the word that pops into my head when you talked about some of those things was just how different people 
encounter, yeah, like a conflict, for example. And I guess mm-hmm. stress kind of goes along that ways in a great deal. I mean, something yeah. like uh, a fight, if something like that comes along, like say if it's just a disagreement between mm-hmm. uh, a couple or even a parent to their child, I mean, you're going to see a lot of those different ways of uh, that engagement or the way that you know mm-hmm. situation is unfolding and how each person might be handling it a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a kid might come ready armed for a fight like, well, mm-hmm. uh, my younger sibling just did that and you didn't mm-hmm. do anything. Or uh, if they're embarrassed of what they did, they might have that. Uh, not necessarily the freak. I guess, yeah, the one option is the freak out where yep. they completely do lose it. Uh, one just being uh, a freeze where they just get all quiet and mm-hmm. nervous that, yeah, they know they did wrong and now they're ashamed of what they did. So they're just, you know, tucking that in all yep. shy and afraid. And I mean, it kind of all works handedly with, yeah, how the body deals with being, yeah. you know, confronted with this situation. And children, we know that children um, feed off of us. So if we're, if we want a child to calm down, it's really, really hard for them to calm down if we're not calm down because they feed off of our energy. And we see that um, uh, in a lot more detail, a lot more vibrant colors with our children. But it's the same thing with us. Um, with humans, there's these uh, neurons called that we call mirror neurons which uh, mirror how someone else is feeling or reacting to a situation. So when you hear like a loud bang, we often think the first thing that we do is look around for where that bang came from. But even like a fraction of a second before we do that, we're looking around at other people's faces to see, is anybody else scared or are other people calm? So if you're on a bus and you hear a loud bang, you look around and see that everyone's calm, then you're like, oh, that must've just been a car backfiring or something. If we look around and see everyone else is freaking out, then you're thinking, okay, they have more information. I need to be upset too. So children really feed off of us by seeing our reactions and we do the same with each other. So if you're in a conflict with your spouse or uh, someone else at work, um, how you're responding to it, the other person is kind of mirroring it back to you. And we have a innate tendency to mirror back what the other Mm. person is doing too. A yelling match just gets louder. Whereas if both couples are trying to be calmer and reasonable about it, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we will naturally mirror each other. So if you want the other person to calm down, the best way to help the other person calm down is for you to calm down. Don't say, hey, calm down. Yeah, that never <laughs> works. Tell the other person, you just need to calm down. <laughs> uh, Does not work. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. And there's like going back to the uh, polyvagal theory, there's some interesting stuff that uh, vagus nerve runs through our jaw um, because it's connected to how we see other people and then how we feel. Uh, So the guy who wrote this uh, book that I'm reading, he talks about, um, he went to the dentist and felt himself being anxious. And he's like, I'm never anxious when I go to the dentist. And then he thought about the polyvagal theory where there's this nerve running through the jaw. Mm -hmm. And he realized, wait a second, this dentist is literally pushing on my nerve, which is attached to how I read other people's emotions and how I then feel. So he's pushing on my nerve, creating this anxiety. So then when he recognized where that anxiety was coming from, that it was just because the dentist was pushing on literally his last nerve, um, (laughs) then he was like, okay, I don't need to be anxious and brought his anxiety down. So when we can know where these responses are coming from, it can empower us to go, okay, I don't need to be ruled by these emotions or these fears. I can look at things and go, you know what? I got this. We can deal with it. 
everyone in the doctor's office is also looking very nervous. So that probably doesn't <laughs> No, it doesn't. Yeah, if you're in an office where everybody's afraid of what's going to happen next, naturally, you're going to be afraid too. Well, and something that had happened just uh, just by complete accident in our own household is like we were told off in that advice of, hey, you know, if a kid gets hurt or something along those lines, try mm-hmm. not to give that exasperated like, <gasps> are you all? Yeah. Right, because the kid will then play up on how the person mm-hmm. is reacting to them. So what on the flip side, like we were told ahead of time, like be on the lookout for that. And yeah. so we tried our best just to be as, you know, calm about mm-hmm. something as uh, someone kind of bumping their knee or to that effect. Yeah. Or, you know, someone accidentally tripping and falling. And what we had seen is that family members had also picked up that, hey, we're not going to try and react. Well, they had gone yeah. almost to the other end of the coin where they would, or we would laugh. Mm. And then, mm-hmm. oops, we accidentally <laughs> triggered quite the most uh, awkward response that someone gets hurt. And then what do we end up hearing is, well, a little toddler laughing <laughs> away. Oops, yeah. yes, we may have just accidentally trained him to think that getting hurt is something to be laughed about, which mm-hmm. wasn't often the best either. That so wasn't the intention. That yeah. was no, no, it wasn't. So, I mean, yes, that uh, reaction of, you know, um, just mm-hmm. a calm you okay, buddy? And yeah. uh, then you kind of learn from the get-go and you're not kind of influencing the reaction that kind of comes from it. Yeah, and I think like what from your, what you're describing, it sounds like compassion is the, the big thing. The, yeah. the kid needs compassion not to go, oh, this must be terrible, which they can react to, oh, it must be terrible. I should probably get upset now <laughs> and not maybe laughing at them, but saying, oh, buddy, what do you need? You all right? What can I do for you? Do you just want to sit on my lap for a minute? Yeah. All right, we can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, really interesting uh, concept. And so does it say that can everyone experience all the same or are they typically falling into one of those? Oh, uh, We often get kind of a favorite. Um, so, yeah, with a toddler, you'll see um, maybe the freak out is the most common one for them. Um, you might get someone who is uh, more prone to the, the, the numbness, the freeze one. Um, so we'll, we'll generally have our favorites. Yeah. Or, or more natural one, but then we can use the other ones at different times too. So, well, yeah, and I can often recall too that you know, just even times where being confronted about something, my mm-hmm. gut reaction might be to kind of freeze up, and it's not that I have nothing to say per se, but it's more mm-hmm. so I kind of want to collect you know, what has just happened. I'm trying yeah. to process in my head. It's like, okay, well, what did I do? What was I thinking in that circumstances that led me to, yeah. you know, forget to do something or mm-hmm. unintentionally hurt someone that was, as a result of my actions, was hurt potentially by something I did. Mm-hmm. So it's my personal reaction sometimes that I'll just kind of freeze. And it's not that uh, <laughs> I, I remember the one time I was like, are you just trying to make something up to please? <laughs> no, that's not where I'm going at. But just yeah. let me really collect of like, what was I thinking in that regard? Maybe it was actually nothing because mm-hmm. I wasn't taking the other person's emotions into consideration yeah. when doing something. In situations like that, it might be good to literally call a timeout with your partner and say, you know what, I honey, I'm not sure exactly what's going on in me. Um, can I like take five minutes? I'll be back in like five minutes when I figure this out. Would that be okay? And so take that time to go and do those things that calm me down that we talked about at the beginning of the program. Getting to the root of, hey, what may have been happening that led mm-hmm. me to do something like this? When you calm your body down, then your IQ goes up and then you can think your way through it. And then you come back and share that with, with your partner. Mm-hmm. 
All you ever wanted to know today, heart to heart with uh, David Disty again, uh, getting the mind and body on the same page. But uh, sometimes when different uh, pain enters the fold, it can, it's like a block, isn't it? Like a, mm-hmm. a blockage that's going on, whether mentally or physically. That really is, can sometimes be what pain's doing to us. Um, yeah, it can block us from doing certain things, uh, which ironically sometimes increases the pain. Um, so yeah, sometimes when we're experiencing pain, again, I'm not saying do this, talk with your doctor, your physiotherapist, but sometimes we need to do the things that our body is saying don't do because it will help us. Sometimes um, our body will say, you know what, just lie down, sleep for 23 hours a day. Um, but that's not actually going to help. So we need to go and push ourselves to to do what we can. Um, again, I'm not saying go and push yourself beyond what your doctor or physiotherapist says. Talk to the doctor. Always go back and talk to the doctor. But don't take the brain's um, excuses and say, you know what, maybe I just need to do nothing. Because nothing doesn't help. Mm. Obviously, just uh, needing to go out and reach out and ask for that help just mm-hmm. goes such a long way at the same time. Yeah, everybody needs to ask for help. Nobody can do it on our own. We all need to have that humility to say, you know what, I don't have what it takes to fix this. And frankly, nobody's supposed to have what it takes to fix everything in their lives. Mm. Uh, Anything else along the lines of what people can do for themselves or trying to be of help to others? Um, Being of help to others, uh, just remember that calming myself helps calm the other person. So if you want the other person to calm down and deal with you rationally, then calm down and deal with them rationally. So be the, be what you want them to be to you. Uh, That's not quite how the golden rules said, you know what I mean? (laughs) Do to others what you want them to do to you. So if you want them to be calm, then be calm with them. Right. Absolutely. Again, uh, David is a registered counselor. If you want to reach out to him, set an an appointment, uh, talk through some of the things you're going through. Uh, David's uh, often at the ready at his practice and you can give him a call, set up a time. Very easy to do that. Yeah. You can give me a call at 306-316-0101 or uh, give me an email at ddisty at gmail.com. And uh, often what we like to do too is just uh, send out a reminder to folks that often in different uh, workplaces and plans and things of that nature, uh, often in some of these just ways that people uh, have benefit plans and packages, often things like seeing a counselor such as David, uh, Mm -hmm. it's all within the realm of coverages and things of that nature too because I know one of the stigmas or myths that Mm -hmm. exist is, oh, it's way too much. I could never do something along those lines. Uh, Ask questions with your employer. A lot of the times now uh, we're seeing that uh, workplaces are covering these sorts of things. Yeah. Talk with your insurance plan. They they cover a lot. Um, There's free resources out there like counseling through uh, mental health. Um, There's counseling through uh, the the Saskatchewan Counselor Foundation. I forget the name of that one, uh, right across the street from Walmart, they've got an office. Counseling through them. Uh, there's counseling services at Sign. Um, there's the walk-in counseling at Sign. Uh, and I've dealt with people often that are subsidized through um, organizations like the church. So if the church wants to pay for part of it and you pay for part of it um, and have a reduced fee that way, then we can work things out. So don't give up on counseling just because you think, oh, I can't afford that. Um there's lots of ways to look at it. And as we talk more and more, uh, again, uh, that uh, stigma year after year, it it is starting Mm -hmm. to change that, you know, taking care of the mind is just as important as uh, taking care of the body and uh, lots of places starting to recognize that. Yeah, because everything is related. Um, Your spiritual health, your mental health, and your emotional health, your physical health, everything is related. So don't neglect any one of them. Mm -hmm. Any other Mm -hmm. final thoughts today, David? 
Um, well, there's lots of resources that I mentioned. So uh, if you have questions about any of the resources, give me a call or an email. Um, and yeah, I'd be glad to talk with you more about it. Easy to remember, ddiste, D-Y-S-T-E at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, David, as always, thanks so much for being here and looking forward to our next chat. Thank you, Jordan. All you ever wanted to know on The Rock 98.5. Heart to Heart with David Disty comes to you on the last Friday of a given month when he will be back with us again in June. All you ever wanted to know on The Rock 98.5. Until next time, have yourself a wonderful day and be blessed.